The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. So I, I found in my submission to the Lord and in a day-to-day, like honestly, where I would get up and be like, okay, Lord, how are we going to get through today? Because I had to be so surrendered to Him that 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 mattered more to me than what I was giving up. And now I'm on the other side of this to where, you know, the, the last two lines of the book are Jesus is better, Jesus is best. Kavanaugh James, a millennial, opens up about his sexual identity confusion next on Life Today. Taking mom's Glad place. To be here. Uh, our son Randy is filling in for mom, who's fighting a, a little worse than a hacking cough. It's like a nonstop cough. She has slept in a chair a couple of nights, which really she didn't sleep much. She just sat in the chair because she couldn't breathe laying down. It's we won't need to make a too big a deal out of something that she's fighting and she's tough. But the fact she's not able to be here and bring it under control, we're praying and she's getting better by the by the day. So She'll appreciate, be yep, yeah. Appreciate Randy filling in for us. He and Sheila do a great job. I, I'm excited about this book, and I'm excited about our guest. Uh, by the way, I'm James Robinson, and I welcome you to life today. Higher Power has a name. It's not only well laid out. It's an amazing title. It's written by a millennial. He says by Kavanaugh James, a millennial. And I tell you that this is an amazing piece of work. It's far bigger than the author Kavanaugh. And I'm curious about this title, Higher Power Has a Name. When I saw that, it's laid out nicely. But when I saw it, I thought there's some significance about that. We're going to find out. And then you're going to be listening to Kavanaugh. And I think this is a book that every millennial on the planet ought to read. I think, I think that every pastor in church ought to say, you know what? I'm going to get the millennials in my church to read this. And then we'll talk about it. So would you welcome the author of Higher Power Has a Name, Kavanaugh James. Kavanaugh, have a seat. I am amazed. I, I, I wrote a book called Living Amazed. I, I live amazed. You're part of me living amazed. Watching what God's done in your life is amazing. And it's not like my amazing life had much to do with it. It didn't. You went on a journey. Probably sometimes you thought you were very much alone. Mm-hmm. And something happened that was amazing, and you wrote this. So let me just say you're welcome, but tell us why this title? Where did it come from and why? You know, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me here. This is this feels a little bit like kismet and just the Lord coming together, and um, I'm really grateful to be here. But, you know, the title came because I was living in L.A. at the time, and I was at an improv school called The Groundlings, and I was kind of throwing myself into the entertainment industry as much as I could. And the more that I kind of got to know people, the more that I started entering into relationship and friendship with people that were very different than friends that I had growing up in the Bible Belt and very different walks of life and uh, just upbringing in general. There was a lot of talk whenever faith would be brought up um, that kind of pushed God into um, a title that was just a higher power. And so 
what I kind of started to learn was that there are so many people that have come out of the church that have been so hurt by just humans in it and people being people uh, that they have then started to take God for what they have seen represented in unhealth. And so it almost seems as if to not submit to God, they say a higher power whenever you're asking them about faith. And so uh, after just talking to people, I realized that people are willing to say they believe in a higher power, but they're not willing to put a name on it. Because the second you put a name on a higher power, then you're responsible and submitted to that name. And so uh, it's just a way that people have been running. And I can uh, say for my own life that I, I went through that myself and trying to figure out, okay, who is God and how does he uh, exist in the context of what I knew growing up and who is he really? And so my book is really my journey with the Lord to walk that through and hopefully something that I can take other millennials and older generations that are confused uh, about our generation through. What do you want to share? You share more openly than I could ever imagine anyone sharing. It had to be uh, uh, supernatural. It's amazing how you laid out the book. You write a note at the end of every chapter that's handwritten. Uh, I could write handwritten notes. Nobody would be able to read it <laughs> unless they can translate like tongues with pen. Uh, the, uh, it's worse than a doctor's prescription. But you wrote, and we can read it, uh, you have beautiful uh, uh, pull-out statements, but you also highlight mm -hmm. uh, once we start valuing a person based off of what they bring to the table, then we start to see relationships as transactions. Mm -hmm. Whoa. See, those little highlighted sentences actually are a paragraph oftentimes. Some of those highlighted sentences comprise substance for an entire chapter. And here's one where you highlighted quite a few sentences. Mm -hmm. I find, found myself saying, this, this is amazing. Not only is the whole copy amazing, but that Kavanaugh would say, well, I think I need to highlight that because it wasn't highlighted by some editor or some publisher. It was highlighted by him wanting to say something that would be weighty. You need to notice it is weighty for a reason. So the whole book is amazing. Why were you willing to talk about the challenges in your journey? Because the challenges in your journey are some that have come to the forefront today with mm -hmm. people, that it seems the church is asked to dismiss now and accept, even though they might seem to contradict what the name mm -hmm. of this power says or the word of God, the Bible says, it would just scrap them, change it in order to justify a particular lifestyle tendency, practice or compulsion or behavior or whatever. You went through all of this and came through not trying to change the name or the person or what that person who has a name stood for or says is best in your behalf, you seem to see that, that adjustments need to made, be made here without us trying to change the very truth right. that can have such a positive transforming effect on all of right. us. Not a mean religious mm -hmm. effect, but a transformingly positive effect, right? Yes. Why, why were you willing to share openly like that? Well, because my own journey with the Lord was really trying to find an excuse not to submit to Him. And, you know, you can, you can live your life trying to make sense. You know, you're, you're referencing kind of an identity struggle that I had for, the mo for most of my life 
which was sexually not knowing who I was and uh, really believing lies about myself. Well, if I take that into the forefront of culture today, you know, they're going to tell me and, and put me in this one box. If I tell the church, though, the church then puts you into a box of, of struggling with this and, and there's almost a kind of now sit in the back seat while the adults sort this out and while you figure out your own life. The truth is that I found in relationship with Christ that if I moved him or if I tried to move him to make what he said to be or what he said uh, to to be what I want to be truth. To accommodate I, what you thought or what you found struggling with that you didn't know if you were going to be right. able to overcome. So you move him. Right. But you, you move couldn't him. do that. Yeah. And, and I mean, and you can you can go throughout the Bible and create all sorts of whack theology if you want to. But if you take the Bible at its entirety as a whole narrative and you choose to submit to it, then I can't be in the role of moving God because now I've taken on the role of playing God. Wow. So I, I found in my submission to the Lord and in a day to day, like honestly, where I would get up and be like, okay, Lord, how are we going to get through today? Because I had to be so surrendered to him that, that that mattered more to me than what I was giving up. And now I'm on the other side of this to where, you know, the, the last two lines of the book are Jesus is better. Jesus is best. And that's the heart. I know what people walk through in a day in day out that the church may not be comfortable talking about, but I know a God who is really comfortable talking about it. And I know that he's not bothered by what I'm dealing with. I know that he's not threatened by it. And in fact, and all doesn't of, love you less because of no. what you struggle with or even defeated by or oftentimes controlled by wherein you're trying to justify it. And you would have the tendency to change what he says into something other than actually the truth in order mm -hmm. to justify where you were. You found out that didn't really give comfort. It didn't really make something true that wasn't true. You kept realizing what? That you had to move toward truth. You couldn't move truth your way right. and cause it to be something else. And did you find out that you weren't actually losing something, but you were actually discovering something that was so marvelous. You just wish people could see it and hear it. And it's too often distracted mm -hmm. by religion right? because is. religion is so much unlike Jesus, the mm -hmm. author of the only perfect faith and right. relationship. Right. Too much religion is unlike Jesus, mm -hmm. right? Correct. And you, you really expose that without being mean. You're not mad at church folks. No, not at all. But you show us where we miss it and you show us amazingly well. Do, do you find that you look like, when you look, my goodness, this is, this is a whole lot bigger than me, what I just wrote. This is something <laughs> I can't even believe I just wrote down because I know it's true. You know, I, I did have a real sense of conviction in writing it and almost a, um, you know, I knew that my, my conversation with the Lord was, I'll write this if you promise it won't kill me because I felt like it was going to kill me. And um, the truth is, is that Jesus is just really, really good. And so um, what he has done and what I am seeing him doing is just taking a simple act of worship, which was really all that this has intended to be, was my act of worship to the Lord, to offer up my story back to him, to offer up um, every kind of hurtful memory that I had had in my life and to allow the Lord to come in and say, no, now I'm going to give that a new name. I'm going to change what that looks like because he's healed it. Uh, so it's become bigger than that just because God's on it. It has nothing to do with me. And I would never, I mean, that, that's just, the Lord wants to get a hold of people's hearts. And he, he wants to be relational and he wants to be our friend and he wants to talk to us and hear us. And so I'm hoping this book is an extension of his heart that way. I want everybody to read the book. 
I don't, I don't say that about every author I have on, and my goodness, your first book. <laughs> Took you two years to write it, you're kinda slow. <laughs> Listen, but, you know, you, know, you got to go through it to get it, don't you? It's, it's absolutely amazing. You don't take you two years to read it because you can't already put it down. I want everybody to read. Okay, Kavanaugh, what do you want to happen? And one of the one of the most, I think, powerful things you say is you want people to to realize that, that real love doesn't have an agenda, right? Mm -hmm. What do you mean True. by that? I mean that I think so much, uh, so often we rob ourselves of knowing true intimacy and relationship because we come at it with something to gain. So, you know, you find people that you want in your life, whether they're, you know, entertaining or funny or influential or talented or whatever kind of attractive quality you could put on them. And you realize that your motivation for entering into that relationship and everything that you say is almost filtered through an agenda. It may be a slight one, but it's still an agenda. And what I find is that when Jesus comes to us and when he pursues relationship with us, although it's for the intent of winning our hearts, his love is never conditional based off our response. And he's never loving us for the sake of manipulating us into a response. It's no different than you meet someone and you really, really enjoy them and you just want to pick up the phone and call and ask to go to coffee next week. That's what I found with Jesus. And I know that that's what he's called me to live at relationally with other people and what I think the church at large is called in this season to live, uh, which is to live an agendaless love uh, and to, to walk relationally with people. Boy, when you can live outside yourself, we have legitimately from the Lord's point of view, he wouldn't have told us to love our neighbor as ourselves if it's improper to love yourselves, if there's not a proper way to love yourself, mm -hmm. to really look at what is really actually best we should care and we should actually want that for others. That relationship is what you see coming from Jesus. Mm -hmm. He's poured it on you. That relationship changed you. All the struggles, all the identity crisis, all the confusion, all the sexual hang-ups mm -hmm. or whatever, confusion, wondering. You found peace and a subtleness in that without becoming vindictive and unkind and mm -hmm. critical. You realized that it was the power of his presence as well as the power of his transforming truth that made the difference. It wasn't some religious club or some standard of man and the demands of people. And it, it wasn't was... anyone coming up next to me and saying, hey, get this in order in your life. You know, that, that, never, that never brought me didn't, closer. It wouldn't move you, did it? No, it, it didn't. almost caused you to brace up and push back. No, which is, and I think, I don't mean to speak for my whole generation, but I do think millennials at large almost feel a little bit um, as if the church has been wanting us to correct things without dealing with the heart first. And so uh, there, there's a level of being able to talk and have relationship with someone before you're able to move forward and to grow and challenge and sharpen and all of those things that we're supposed to do in community. Well, I'm a, I'm a 75 year old. Have I fit just outside the millennial bracket? <laughs> just, just on the tail end. Right, here's what I need to know. Do you think, you've known me a long time, mm -hmm. pretty much your whole life, right? Correct. Do you think I have anything to offer millennials? I know you do. Do you think they would actually listen if we sat down and talked? I actually do, and... Do you, you think I would show them respect in an attempt to really understand and perhaps even learn from them? That is, that is a huge key, and yes, if you were to sit down with anyone and say, hey, I wanna know what you think about this, and let me get your perspective on this. When you ask for someone's perspective, it's not a threatening question, and it's inviting them to share their experience and to uh, actually impart you know, what they've grown up with. So I think that, yeah, our generation wants to be invited to the table. And so to be invited to this table by you for me is just huge. And it's such an honor 
uh, that our generation, I think, at large within the church has kind of felt excused from. Because there's I don't been, want that. well, and I know that you don't, and and I know that it's not your heart, and you have one of the most tender hearts of anyone I've ever met, and we can read that and and sense that we're a generation that's driven by authenticity and by vulnerability, and if there are any two things that you are, it's authentic and vulnerable. So, no, absolutely, we would want to be hearing from you and all of you who are older and have wisdom to impart. We need to hear from you. We want to hear from you. Don't be scared off by our flaws and by what we're working through because God has real purpose for us. Do you all appreciate the wisdom you hear coming from this young man and the conversation we've had? I do. Randy, you want to ask or say or make a comment right quick? I know our time is going fast, but. Yeah, we don't have a lot of time. There's a lot of, a lot of great questions, but there's a lot of great answers right there that the book truly is. It's, it's, I think it's a gift for this moment. It's eye-opening in a lot of ways and a lot of positive ways and, and not just in the areas where you struggle, mm-hmm. but I mean, there's some depth uh, of truth in there that, that'll help anybody. If they wanted to, to go to your website or they wanted to say, Kavanaugh, uh, how would, would you ever come talk to our, our group or our church? Or I would what, love to. Okay, what, what website? So just KavanaughJames.com. That's exactly where you go, C-A-V-A-N-A-U-G-H. And uh, we got it up on the screen so they can yep. see it. Perfect. Yeah, Kavanaugh. You do have to have a little help spelling that. You probably <laughs> took you a while to learn this. Kavanaugh. It's quite, quite a mouthful there. Yes, Anybody yes. can write that, can write a book. I mean, no doubt. Yes. Here's, here's the deal. Uh, this is a gift from God for us in this moment. And I, I don't know that I've ever watched anybody that I'm more amazed, shocked in the most positive way, stunned by what I call supernatural brilliance coming out that's very applicable in areas where it seems that people so long for real substantive help, and it's here. And so you can go online and get it, go to that website and visit. But again, would you join us in just saying thanks to Kavanaugh James and thanks to God for what he's doing as well. Thank you, Kavanaugh. I know all of you, and, and by the way, you help us uh, give a cup of water to some child or family that doesn't have clean water, and we have some beautiful gifts to bless you with. And you're going to be given the gift of life. But if you say, would you, would you send me that book too if I help give somebody water? You better believe it. I want you to watch very closely and listen. See if you don't hear God talking to you about how you can change everything for someone. You become the miracle they never thought was possible. You become the source of that miracle. Watch prayerfully. I'm kneeling here next to a little grave. Little boy's name was Pana. Barely made it past his second birthday, I believe. Pana died just simply from drinking contaminated water here in his village. But the water that should have given life literally killed him. Millions of families around the world continue, day after day, trekking great distances to collect water from contaminated sources because it is their only option for survival. Approximately one in 10 people on Earth live without clean water, resulting in over 400,000 deaths a year from drinking water that is unsafe. Tuyết tất mai tất chết ạ. 
mãi tục cô đó là tuyệt vẹt trẻ đại hà thành nhóm thầm mãi đập em đó nó hả mãi ơi tục ở cô này cho lại mãi nhuôn nhóm tàu tục biệt mùi tiệt tàu nhóm nó cứ hành đặt cô à bây giờ cô tụi nó năng bị tan chư à tụi nó tập về nhóm nó khả năng nhóm chết chắc kinh but this this story doesn't just happen in Cambodia. You can let this story be symbolic of people all over the world who drink contaminated water every day. That's why at Life Outreach, we drill wells all over the world, globally, all year, every year. Because people like Pana, little children, mothers, fathers, they're believing or hoping it'll give them life, but it actually takes their life. So please give that gift today so that we can tell families the water that you're drinking is not there to take your life, it's there to give you life. That's a very significant picture right there that you, uh, that grave, that's a precious life, it's gone. And uh, we have the perfect cure for it. It's, uh, it's uh, not just a cup of water, but a well of water. You've helped people like you drill 6,000, and we're seeking to complete drilling another 400. And we just need the help of all of our viewers if they could realize that people watching us right now are the miracle mm -hmm. that stops that death cycle. Yeah, you recently, um, actually a relative of yours handed me a check for the, for the water, right. right? a water well. And I don't normally open those. I send them to the right department and let them handle it appropriately. But he texted me later and said, did you, did you see it? And I said, no, I don't, I don't normally do that. And he said, well, open it. And I said, all right, you know. So I opened it up. It was enough for a well. Yeah. So there's, there's one, we need 399 more. But he, um, he, he was excited to do it, which yes, I love the enthusiasm. But I texted him back and I said, man, you're just going to have to take my word for it. I wish you could see it, but that well will change everything for a lot of people. Every, for a long time, a lifetime for many of them. It will change everything. And that's what I wish you could see. I've been there. I've seen it. I, I've been where there's not a well. There needs to be a well. I've knelt by the graves uh, of too many children. But I've seen what putting that source of life right there where they live every day does for them. It changes everything. And I just, Dad, I wish, I wish everybody could feel the, the excitement that my, my cousin felt <laughs> yeah. in, in providing that well. And that's what people tell us. They say, we don't have a greater joy than giving a well or even part of a well. And it's amazing that when you, the wells are 4,800 and that check was for $5,000. Yes, it was. Because you texted me and told me. Mm -hmm. And I, I texted him to say, I got excited. I get excited should, every time we're able to drill and, another and well. Really, he's a young man. For him, it was a big step. Mm -hmm. But people tell us what it means. And, and yet people also say, I'm able to help you drill a well. Yeah. And most of the support comes in $48 yeah. chunks, which gives 10 people water. Don't ever look and say, because the well's 4,800, you know, if I could do it, a lot of people say, I make it a, a prayer goal every year to do it. And they're able to do it. And they found God miraculously letting them do it. But, but the 4,800 or the 144 that gives 30 people water the rest of their life, there's a level at which you can become the miracle in someone's life. And we not only give them 
water for life, we tell them about the water of life, Jesus. And when they've seen love and they've experienced the effect of love giving them life, they're ready to hear about the source of that love and that life that's eternal. Thank you for what you're doing. Would you right now go online, please? The website or dial that number that's a prayer line. And right now you just turn it into a lifeline, a miracle lifeline. Take your bank card, go get it. Use it like a check. If you think you're going to forget that number, write it down, but call it. And make the best gift you can right now. If you can give a well or part of a well, do it. We have some gifts to send you that I promise you will bless you. Beautiful fruit of the Spirit bowls, one of the most beautiful gifts. I can just see so many women and so many homemakers excited. Boy, this is going to be incredible. It is. Because a lot of people are going to see the fruit of the Spirit, not just in what you serve, but your spirit. And you can say, I gave water for life. It becomes a conversation piece. We want to bless you, but you're giving people life because of the life in Christ. Thank you right now for making that call. Thank you for making the gift. Today, a mother living in extreme poverty will do the unthinkable. Give her children dirty, disease-filled water that she knows could kill them. With no other choice, what else can she do? With your help, clean water is on the way. Mission Water for Life provides a way for parents to save the lives of their children, to offer them a bright future free from the fear of death. With your gift today, you can help drill and establish 400 water wells this year. Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five children. A gift of $48 will help provide for 10. $72 will provide for 15. And $144 will help provide life-giving water for 30 people for a lifetime. With your gift, we'll send you the New Mercies Each Day Desk Calendar. This 17-month calendar will not only help you keep track of important dates, but also remind you of the Father's love and goodness with scripture quotes and encouragement from all the hosts on Life Today. With your gift of $100 or more, request the Fruit of the Spirit Bowl. This beautiful and decorative ceramic bowl features scripture revealing the fruit of the Spirit, a lovely addition to your table or home. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well. And you may request our Safe in the Shepherd's Arms bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or make your gift online. Well, Randy and I say in behalf of so many mothers and families and precious children, thank you for giving a cup of water for giving a well of water, uh, giving the too often overlooked a chance. This is an incredible book, very special book, very special time. It's an amazing what I'm watching happening in a young man named Kavanaugh. If you want the book, you say, James, we're going to help you with the water. We'd really like to have that book. And then remember this, I really think it ought to be placed in the hands of millennials in every church. I wish every millennial would just get it read. Go ahead, take a chance. Because higher power has a name. It's not a name to be afraid of. It's the most magnetic, attractive name and force in human history. And it's not just mere religion. It's the most meaningful relationship possible. So I hope you get it. Would you join Randy in saying thanks to Kavanaugh and thanks to God for what he's doing. I'm glad to know that name and that person. Thank all of you for watching. Thanks for helping us share life.
Tim Tebow's mom was serving as a missionary when she got pregnant. That I needed to abort and abort immediately in order to save my life. Next week. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.